Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work Live, a guide podcast. Today is a special episode in partnership with our amazing partner, humanly.io. Make sure to check them out. And we're talking about using your platform to create change. And I have a rock star lineup for you all today with fantastic leader who leaders who are doing just that in their community and within their organizations. Today, I am joined by the CEO and founder of Humanly.io, Prem Kumar. I'm also joined by Jesse Tinsley, the CEO and founder of Job Mobs, an advisor, as well as angel investor. I'm joined by the chief boss lady herself of Armoire. <laughs> Armoire, yes, it's fancy, right? Miss Aminka Singh as well as Ms. Lisa Brummel, who is the owner of the Seattle Storm, as well as former VP of HR at Microsoft. And I'm really excited to dig in with them on what they're doing in their respective communities and within their respective organizations to truly create change and address a lot of the things that and issues that we're facing right now when it comes to systematic income equality, inequality, um, racism, and just the, the 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 things that are going on in the world. So I'm really excited to talk to them a little bit about their backgrounds and what they're doing in their respective communities. And believe it or not, many of these people are in Seattle. So if you're tuning in from Seattle, please show us love. Definitely show us love. And if you're tuning in from the Bay Area, Oakland, San Francisco, show love as well. With that said, let me bring on today's phenomenal guest. Hey, you all. Hey, Tim. Hey, hey how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having all of us. <laughs> Thank you for joining. So, you know, I want to check in with you all. Like, how are you all doing given the state of the world right now? There's a lot going on. Um, you know, it's uh, exciting to bring together this group here of humanly advisors and customers and partner with Guide on actions we can take. Um, been doing a lot of listening recently um, and and trying to take action as well. But yeah, it's 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 a tough time, man, in a lot of ways. Yeah, Lisa, I, I would completely agree. It's a it's a super tough time. It's a tough time for just human beings in the world. Um, some people who are directly affected by issues that are going on. Some people who are allies to people who are directly affected. Then add a pandemic that we have no control over on top of that and. It's nice that we're all here. It's I'm happy to see all your faces. I'm happy to see when you smile. Makes me feel good. And I need those things these days. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Ambika? I mean, I would echo a lot of that. I think um, it, it, I feel very much alive. Um, and that I'm super grateful for because um, I think we've all been made aware of how much interconnectedness we have for better or for worse. And I think this group, I'm really excited to learn um, more about what we can do to help um, starting at home, our communities, our teams, um, things like that. So it's, it's been, it's been a real time, but we're here for it. What about you, Jesse? What are you thinking? Man? How's, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Obviously there's so much going on in the world and I, I think there's a, a big opportunity to really impact uh, across your organizations and everyone else. Sorry, I'm echoing here. Sure, if it's uh, somebody else's mic, but um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, I think there's a really 
big opportunity to impact society and your organizations and have actual change. So I think that's exciting. So, you know, I want to start with you, Lisa, right? Because you made many lists of influential people in the tech world and beyond and was once referred to as the third most important and influential person at Microsoft, right? So you've done a lot to use your platform to create change. I want you to talk a little bit about, does this come naturally for you in the work that you've done? Um, well, yes and no. So all the way back to my time um, as an athlete back in college. And I think when you're in sports for a lot of your life, you leadership just kind of happens and teamwork happens. And that's just kind of what you do every day. And I loved doing that. And when I came to Microsoft way back when in 1989, um, and was actually hired by Ambika's father, so wow. like we're, we're all generation, generationally getting connected here. Yes, he was my very first manager at Microsoft. Um, you know, it was a spirit of individual empowerment. It was a spirit of say what's on your mind. Hmm. It was a spirit of get to the best ideas. It was a spirit of we have to do right in the world. You know, PC on every desk and in every home. Like it was big vision stuff and people who believed in it. And I'm not sure I could have ever started. Like it was amazing <laughs> to be able to start with like, say what's on your mind, yeah. expect to change the world. Don't waste any time, work with other people, go. <laughs> so it was, um, that's how it started. And that level of empowerment when I had kind of my first big foray into business, that's just what was expected. And so you match sort of being an athlete and, and that starting place. And then you have the benefit of how Microsoft grew over the 25 years I was there. Hmm. And it wasn't, it, it was partly what I wanted to do, but it was also partly what was expected of me. Hmm. And being a leader in the company was what was expected. And, you know, following that and purchasing the Seattle Storm was another one of those things where like, who plans for that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I've been at Microsoft for 20 years. Maybe I'll just buy a basketball team. Well, you know, that just doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> but when you see something in your community and you see an mm. asset that people care a lot about that has impact on what happens here and it might go away. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's just that leadership thing where a couple of us got together, a couple of women got together and said, this shouldn't happen. We need to change it. Yeah. And so n none of us had experience running a team. None of us knew Clay Bennett. None of us knew anything about what we were doing, but we just thought we should go try this. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to bridge that pretty quickly to the team's role in the community and the team's role in social justice. So we are a women-owned team. We are a team of women who play out on the court. Yeah. We are a diverse group. Uh, of people and certainly the team makeup is different than the traditional Seattle makeup. We have a lot more African-American players than probably would be represented in the population in Seattle. Yeah. And they have a voice and they want to have a voice. And one of the things we agreed to when we took on the team was we will as an organization use our platform to have a voice in the community. It will partly mm. be what we care about as owners, but it's also partly what our team cares about and what they want to say in the community. And I'll go back one more time and then leave it to everybody else. At Microsoft, the whole idea of 
the matching donations program was to mm. let employees have a voice in their community and to support them. So this thread kind of goes through my, my, my original work life and my new work life, which is yeah. empower people to have a voice in their community, support them in doing that, guide them in the best way and be open-minded to changing it if you have to. Yeah, yeah. And really, sorry, and, guys. no, no. And really through mobilization too, Lisa, because, you know, you've really done that a lot throughout your illustrious career. You know, now with the, you know, the, the given state of the world, do you see that a lot of leaders are missing out on opportunities to actually make a statement through their platforms? I think there's a, um, yes, I do think they're missing out. So I'll answer your question directly. I think it has to do with there are there's never just one agenda that you have to deal mm -hmm. with as a leader. Yeah. There are multiple constituencies you have to deal with at all times. Very rarely is it one. So you just have to balance the impact on each of those communities as you make your decisions. And you can be more of a risk taker or less and less of a risk taker. And you know, I can't hope to speak for everybody's choices that they make. But people need to understand it's not like, oh, you should go do this. Well, you don't know the seven other things I should do at the same time or the seven other impacts that's going to have. And that's part of being a leader. You mm -hmm. just have to decide what you want to stand for, the impact it's going to have on other people, try to be transparent about it and try to live up to what it is you've committed to. And that mm -hmm. means taking some risks and, you know, maybe pissing some people off, but also maybe empowering some people to do some other things. Mm, mm. So powerful, Lisa. Ambika, I want to talk to you, right? Because you and Armoire have taken a really huge stance on the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, what happened after your company started to post your opinions on your platform uh, about that? What was the response? Yeah, that's a great question, Tim. And um, I'll tell, I'll back it up just a little bit there and say, um, it's interesting to me to, and, and I'm very honored that you said that because, um, I I struggled a lot with like what mm. what is the magnitude um, that we can do as a small company um, of mighty but you know limited in numbers and limited in resources folks um, and so we did what we felt was authentic and to take a page from Lisa like what we could um, create with an empowered community uh, of what we had and so what that means to me is that. We started at very um, kind of like ground zero inside. And so um, we started by trying to have a conversation um, mm -hmm. just amongst employees. And I was startled and frankly, a, a bit sad about how impactful that was to a lot of our um, employees because uh, they had never been in a place where even the conversation door was opened. Mm. Um, and to me, that was like not even a step, right? That was like, okay, well, as we formulate a plan, like we've got to have a conversation. But even having the conversation started as a, a step. Um, and so we've tried um, from the inside out to kind of like figure out what our collective opinion is. And it's interesting because I know that what, what we say here and what I do here um, will become sort of what our moire's position is. And to make that more authentic, I really wanted it to be broader than what I thought. And so um, being able to include our employees and our teammates in what that opinion looks like has been really powerful for me because 
we obviously come from completely different and actually that may not be totally apparent. One of the beautiful things about Armoire um, because of the fact that it's a, um, it's a tech enabled retail business. Mm. We have um, a tremendous amount of diversity of every kind that you could imagine. Um, and people come from every different walk of life. And so because of that, the richness of conversation inside our little world um, is incredible. And so that has really helped me personally feel more um, empowered to take steps and make a, make a statement and make um, the, uh, actions and, and take um, different changes because of the fact that it's an, uh, an empowered position, I think, that comes from like the strength of the diversity of opinion that sits inside our little home. I love that, Ambika. You know, so I want to really show love to our amazing audience and listeners really quick. If you're tuning in right now, you're loving what Lisa and Abinka have been saying, please show love in the comments. If you have any questions for them, we are more than willing to engage and actually address them as they're talking live. So shout out to Aaron Houston, who's saying, hey, bro, he's tuning in from Austin, Texas. So we have an Austinite in the building with us today. So much love to Aaron for tuning in. And if you're also loving this live episode, please make sure to share with your networks on LinkedIn, Facebook, or even share it in the newsletter if you want. So Ambika, you know, what I really love about what you just shared is the fact that, you know, you've been really intentional from the ground up and how you built your organization. Um, and also in how you guys are showing up um, during these times of protesting and, you know, just, I think a transformation is happening. You know, I, I often, I, I when I'm talking to people about what's going on in the world right now, I feel like it's more of a movement and transformation versus a revolution. I think a lot of different countries and people and leaders are just waking up that enough is enough. And if we want to move forward 2020 and beyond, we really have to create inclusive ecosystems as well as inclusive organizations. You know, what kind of inspired you to be intentional from the start with the way you were building Armoire? I think um, it was it was perhaps dual. Um, it was very clear to me that this business was so complicated that the only reason, the only way we were going to be successful was to have an incredible diversity of experiences. And so I think it was um, the business necessitated um, being able to find a community that thought differently. And what I mean by that is like we have best-in-class technologists, we have best-in-class um, retail folks, best-in-class operations folks, and they do not look the same as each other. And when I say look, I mean in all sorts of different ways, right? Like their stories, um, their backgrounds, and that richness has allowed us to be larger than um, what we would have been if we were uh, all kind of sort of um, more similar. Um, and I think for all small companies, it's David and Goliath for everybody, right? Like we're, our competitors are hundreds of times bigger than us. And so um, the only way to get a start is to figure out a way to be bigger than what you are. And I, I think it truly is the diversity of um, who we are that makes us uh, even have the ability to compete. So I would say it, the intentionality came from necessity. Mm, that's powerful. Prem, I want to get your thoughts on this, man, because, you know, you're you built you've built uh, humanly in a similar fashion. You know, why do you think the business world needs to pay attention to the issues we're seeing around systemic racism right now? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, everyone needs to pay attention to it. Um, 
the business world is interesting. So you can kind of look at it at an individual level and then at a macro level. Mm -hmm. I mean, every company, whether you realize it or not, every company is in the business of, of doling out power, whether you're doling out mm -hmm. power based on who you hire, based on who you promote, um, based on who you do business with. And I think when you're, you're in that position, it's incumbent upon you uh, to, of course, be inclusive, of course, have equity, of course, be anti-racist, but I think it also makes you better because of it. Um, hmm. My brother, um, he's, a, he's a public defense attorney, and I was talking to him this morning about it, and it's, it's interesting in the legal system. So if you are in court and your jury is not representative of the community or is biased, they can get thrown out. If you are being interviewed for a job and the interview committee, the jury in this case, is not representative of the community, if it's biased, there's very little recourse. And I think companies uh, you know, need to take it upon themselves to change that. Um, there, there's a lot of, like Pepsi's an example. I mean, they, they have some flaws as well. Every business does, but I like what they're doing. They, I think they put like $400 million into ensuring that the amount of black managers is increased by 30%. That's the start. Wow by investing in black owned businesses. So I think um, putting those um, you know, words into action um, can ensure that you are doling out power in a way that will make the world more equitable. Mm, mm. You know, it, it, I love this point about doling out power, right? Because I think a lot of organizations in the past have failed to realize that you are a platform for change. You know, one of my favorite business leaders is Mark Benioff because he sees the power in his platform with, with Salesforce. And I think, you know, what's really special about what you just said, Prem, in this time, and I would love to get Jesse and uh, Lisa's thoughts on this, is that you have to realize the power that you have as a leader and also within the, the community and organization that you have. Jesse, you know, you started Job Mobs a few years ago in San Francisco, and you all have been giving back to startups and entrepreneurs um, in a great capacity. Talk to us a little bit more about, you know, how you all realize the power you have as an organization. Yeah, I think just to, to echo what Lisa and Bika and Prem said, I think Prem brought up a really good point in doling out power. I think especially with us helping organizations grow and scale. Uh, there's a, a lot that can be done at the forefront of the hiring process to make sure that we're being diverse and inclusive because hiring at a lot of companies, they're going to tell you for these different roles that they want, these elite schools and these these other places or that people have worked at that basically everything kind of builds on one step after the other in terms of if you went to Stanford or Harvard or elite school, you're, you're really privileged in that sense. And obviously minorities in the community don't have the same opportunity. So how do we have a more diverse and inclusive hiring process from the mm. forefront, regardless of your education and background? I think something that uh, we've been stressing uh, even before the Black Lives Movement uh, in the last couple of years, how do we just make sure that we have an inclusive and diverse pipeline from the beginning so that we have more diverse um, companies at the end of the process? Yeah. And also, I mean, to your point, Jesse, I mean, you're a parent, um, right? And, you know, it's how are you engaging those in your workforce who may not just only be early millennials, but also be parents who are working from home in this current climate? You know, how are you showing up for them and with their communities and with their needs, right? Yeah, that's a great point, Tim. Uh, and yeah, I think the big thing is just making sure we're understanding this time. There's a lot going on, obviously, mm. um, with with protests and with COVID-19 and, and people are pretty much um, having a lot of side issues. So I think as a leader um, in any organization, just being understanding, making sure people have 
accommodations, flexible work hours, um, and just really being understanding and leading with empathy, I think is a huge, huge thing right now. Mm-hmm. You know what, Jesse, I would love for, and, and Lisa, I want to, I want to ask you this as well, you know, but I, I'll let Jesse tackle this first. How are you all, how are you showing empathy and compassion? Because that's one of the big things I'm super a proponent of on LinkedIn. I'm always telling people show up with compassion, do things for others, be service oriented. And I think, you know, we, we're not, I'm seeing a lot of people who are being more introverted now because of the times we're in, right? It's very hard to open up and go out of your way because everyone is saying, be reserved, stay in. What are you guys doing online? Because I think it's really powerful to to let the people we're viewing know that they can do something in times like this. Yeah, I, I love one of the big things, obviously, I think any everything starts with yourself within mm. the organization or even externally on your your social feed. Um, but I think everyone that's listening or otherwise that's presenting today, I think you have a lot more power than you realize and you can obviously influence a lot of people. So just, again, lead with empathy and, and show love to the community and whatnot. I think that's a, a huge, huge thing that's going on um, that people can have a lot larger impact than they, they think that they might. Lisa, what are your thoughts on this? So I would just say first start with the people who are closest to you and work your way out. Mm. Talk to your families. Like, talk to your families. Is everybody doing okay? Yeah. If, you know, and and kind of that to me, that's the core. If you if your foundation is strong, then you'll be good as you branch out from there. So I start with the families and make sure we have a regular cadence of seeing each other, talking to each other. Mm. You know, part of my family's here in Seattle, so I get to see them a little bit face to face. The rest of my family's more extended, so we have to do Zoom or FaceTime or whatever, Skype, whatever tool we decide to use. Um, then you go to the people you influence in your business world. Mm. So, you know, we had a big call with the basketball team. What's on your mind? How are you feeling about this? You know, and you're, you're basically looking at 80% black women saying, what the hell is going on in this world? Yeah. And you have to listen because it's, it's not me. I don't understand their truth. They understand their truth. I'm trying to appreciate it and see if I can influence in my world, but I have to hear them. So it's opening up that, opportunity as a leader. And again, there's a CEO in between we owners and the players themselves. So it's, it's really stretching to say, no, we're all in this together. Mm. And uh, where I'm on the boards, it's the same kind of thing. Then go to that group and say, what do you need to do in your community? What are you feeling? What, what's going on? And try to just let people, people want to talk. They do give them the space to do that and feel that trust and then sort of assess what can I do about this? Is there something I can do? My personal pet peeve is that somebody makes 10 social posts and you never hear from them again. (laughs) Yay. It's that time. Look at me. And then you really don't stick through the change you need to make long-term. Like that's what it's about. Like what are you going to be, in the long run, not can I put a post up? I'm not a super social media person myself, although I do mm. post occasionally, but it's kind of like, no, I want to do something bigger, longer with impact mm. because that's what we need to do. Not a zillion social posts and six months from now, we're all off on another issue. Yeah. So I'd say we, I've done less in the moment, but thought more about the future. 
how will we invest our company's monies to really make ongoing change? Also understanding something I learned at Microsoft. One investment isn't going to solve your problem. Mm. It's going to be again and again and again and again and again. And if you're not up for that journey, you really aren't going to fulfill what you need to fulfill. Mm. Mm, that's such a powerful statement. And you know what's so powerful about that too is that one, I love your compassion, Lisa, and you know, your 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 love for service, but it's true, right? You know, especially things and issues such as systemic racism, those are infinite battles um, that we're always gonna be addressing. Ambika, I would love to get your thoughts on this, right? You know, what what do you think are in in your in your perspective, you know, organizations can do to address these systemic issues, right? Because you were really principal in how you were building um, Amara's organization, but we're seeing that now a lot of organizations are rethinking those traditional norms and they're not rethinking, okay, how do we make the right investments, whether it be in an inclusive workforce or in investing in diverse entrepreneurs, or more importantly, in actually working with people in low-income communities. So what are your recommendations for, for leaders in the business world right now? Well, I really appreciate what Lisa said because um, I think I fully agree with that, that there was, um, and anecdotally, I can almost see it waning already where mm. there was, you know, all the companies came out and everyone made a one-time donation. And then, I mean, and in retail and fashion, it was particularly apparent to me because suddenly, um, which is great. We saw a lot more representation of faces of different mm. colors and backgrounds. And if you scroll one level down, just even on the scroll bar, it, that has all disappeared from you know the top level feed. Um, yeah. And the hard part is that what the stuff that Lisa's talking about, like you know, changing the way your workforce looks or making sure that you change your hiring practices. Um, what Jesse was mentioning. That stuff does not happen in a week. And so mm. if, if the company wants to jump on the bandwagon and make sure that they've made their immediate sort of statement and impact, um, the work is actually going to come much later. And so uh, I think that's it, it's a tricky thing. Um, so I'm actually wrestling with this real time. I, I wrote something um that was, you know, kind of in that process that I was discussing with like input from our team and stuff. But I also don't want to be the one and done. And so I'm yeah. trying to figure out, like, what is my, um, what's my next step? Am I going to write something else? Does this become, like, something that we're constantly updating people on? And it's kind of, it's, it's tricky because it, we won't have big flashy metrics to report next month mm. and the month afterwards. So do I wait until I have a great metric to report on or do I report the work? Um so I, I think it, it, it's really it, the stuff that's that's deep and hard that I think a lot of us, especially on this call, want to change. Mm. Um, we're not going to have a, a great report card just around. <laughs> so um, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so true. Prem, you know, who are some of the organizations that come to mind for you aside from Humanly, right, that are doing a really great job of, of, of doing the work? Yeah, for sure. And one thing I'll also kind of tack on to that before I answer is I completely kind of agree with what, what Lisa was saying as well about, you know, I think continued action is the only way we'll move forward. But 
that also takes empowerment. It's not something that the board does or the leader, they need to set the tone. But, um, you know, that, that program that Lisa was talking about at Microsoft, I, I remember how that empl- empowered me, the employee matching program. And I think ways that we can look at it and empowering our, our employees can help us uh, help us move forward. Um, so as far as like some companies, yeah, I mean, I, I think generally I'll just bucket it into that, those action-based things. So mm-hmm. um, the example I gave with Pepsi, I think is a good one because they're actually putting systems in place and putting leadership in place that will then do the hard work ongoing. It's not just a, you know, a simple um, one-time lip, lip service. Um, um, you know, I, I actually at Microsoft is another good example. Um, but but I, I think generally, as, as I think about companies that are, are doing a great job here, it's ones that are creating systems. And, they, and you know, anytime you create a new system, like, mm. like Ambika said, it's not going to, um, you're not going to have metrics in a month, right? So it's, it's really committing to the long-term work and that I, I think fixing systemic problems takes building systemic positive change. So mm. You have to create systemic ripple effects, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think I want to uh, share this question and dish it out to all of you and kind of have us think a little bit about it, too, because, you know, I think this is like a, a there's a movement brewing not only across the world, but with a lot of young leaders. You know, Lisa, I want to start with you. You know, how do you recommend young leaders use their growing platforms and the opportunity and runway that they have to support social issues? Well, I don't think that's a problem. Young people tend to have a voice very different than my generation, for sure, because they've grown up through social media. So having a voice is not a problem, I don't think. That's just my impression. Choosing the platform, you know, and tools you use to get your voice out should be natural for you. You know, some young leaders who are business people use LinkedIn more. Some people who are, are, are broader do use other tools. So at the end of the day, having a voice isn't the problem. What do you want to say and mm. why? And are you representing yourself or are you representing the people you're leading? Mm. And it's, I think as you get up in leadership, it's a challenge to balance your own personal views with the views of the people that you represent. Mm. And typically I've seen leaders and their teams be closer rather than further apart. So I don't think we're talking about, you know, one person who's at one end of the spectrum and the team that's at the other, but still, how do you balance your own point of view with the view of the people that you represent? And I think that's a discussion and that transparency is really important. And that humility is really important. Oftentimes young leaders feel like they need to know the answer and they need to come out and lead their team and show their team that they're a leader by telling them they know the answer. And somebody might have been Prem or Jesse or somebody who talked about empathy, leading yeah. with empathy. Lead with your ears. Lead hmm. with your ears because your customers, your team members, your partners will all tell you what's going on. And if you listen carefully, you can integrate that. Um, I met Prem initially at Microsoft because he wrote a paper and sent it to me. I had not met him before he was in the organization. And he wrote a paper about reverse mentoring. Hmm. And I remember it very distinctly. Now, it was so insightful for me because here was somebody who thought about a problem that I couldn't see from where I was And he was very detailed and thoughtful about how this should happen. 
didn't always agree with it. I thought it was, you know, some young kid just coming in. It's like, oh, he'll learn eventually. <laughs> but, but, but that's the kind of thing that I think from a leadership perspective is so valuable. I learned so much because he took the initiative to tell me. And my hope is that when people view you as open like that, as a leader, especially a young leader, hmm. that you will hear them, you will be able to do more of the right thing. And you don't always have to know the answer. In fact, honestly, you rarely know the answer. Mm. You just have to guide everybody to the right spot at the right time based on what you know. Whoo, that's powerful, Lisa. That's powerful. Definitely note that down if you're listening. So I want to show love to Edith, who's saying, lead with your ears. Wise, wise, wise. Andrew Gardner, Mr. COO of Humanly, saying, I'd love to hear what the panelists feel we can do about the polarization we see on a daily basis basis. Jesse, thoughts? Say, say that one more time, Tim. I missed the so question. Andrew's asking, he'd love to hear what the panelists feel we can do about the polarization we see on a daily basis. Yeah, let's uh, like what specifically, what uh, what are we referencing in regards to polarization? Well, I think just the the toxicity between, you know, the left and the right and us not really being aligned just as a humanity, I believe. So. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Is, yeah. So how can we how can your messages and actions break out the echo chamber we all experience? So people feeling really guarded in their beliefs. Yeah, I think just going back to the, the Black Lives Matter movement in general, I don't think it's a right or left issue at all. I think it's. Mm. It goes down to being systemically um, black people have been uh, oppressed in regards to opportunity. And going back to like the theme of this specific stream, I think it comes back down to hiring. And, and what I said earlier in regards to making sure that we're inclusive in our hiring process from the beginning, mm -hmm. I wrote an actual article on it, how to cultivate inclusivity in your workforce. Um, you can check out the link on my profile, but um but Dr. Erin Thomas is mainly who I was referencing in that, and she's put out some really good work in regards to uh, inclusivity in the workplace. So I think uh, in regards to Andrew's question, I think just lead with your own thoughts. Start with yourself. I think Lisa and everyone else has referenced that. Work on yourself if you're regardless of political affiliation and try to have an open mind, I think, is the biggest thing. I love it. I love it. Uh, Ambika, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's interesting because I, at least in my professional career, I I can't ever remember a moment like what Jesse said, where an issue that um, there are certainly sides, um, but to me it was so clear and, and thankfully to my organization as well, is that there wasn't really room for an inclusive perspective here. Like we were just going to, because this to us is not exactly not a right or left issue. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's a systematic um, thing that we had to take a stand about. What is interesting is that our customer base didn't unanimously feel the same way, and so um, we have gotten uh, quite a uh, you know not a not a large amount, but we've we've taken some um, some hits from a revenue perspective with people who don't agree with our perspective. Wow. Um, so you know that it's an interesting thing. Like uh, it, the the word inclusivity to me means um, when first and foremost you bring everyone's safety and well being uh, no. to the 
forefront and then you start to talk about ideas. Um, and so for us, this wasn't, it, we are still being inclusive in our mind by only seeing one side of um, the Black Lives issue. Yeah. You know, I love that you shared that because, you know, uh, I saw this really fascinating Instagram post by Jeff Bezos. We all know who Jeff Bezos is. And he actually highlighted an uh, email he got from a customer actually upset about the fact that he had a Black Lives Matter, that they, the Amazon put a Black Lives Matter on the front page of their website. And, you know, one of the powerful things that Jeff said actually on this uh, in this Instagram post was that, you know, X name, whatever, you're the type of customer I rather I rather lose, right? Like I'm happy to lose. And I think to your point, Ambika, you know, it's it's really interesting that there are some people who don't get this movement, but I think that uh, this is one of the very rare opportunities that we're actually seeing humanity band together uh, mm -hmm. and say, okay, enough is enough. I mean, we're seeing universities actually take down statues, um, spe specifically Princeton of, of um, former leaders in history who actually were racist. So I think like there's this really interesting effect that's happening in the world where we're all waking up. So I love that point that you made that even though customers may not be aligned, you know, you still as a business have to, you know, stand on the right side of history. Prem, mm -hmm. I want to ask you, man, what are your thoughts on this? And also I want to go back to this earlier question that we posed to Lisa, you know, how do you think young leaders can use their platform to create change? Yeah. As far as the polarization thing, I'll, I'll kind of steal uh, what, what Lisa said in terms of leading by listening. I think polarization occurs when two people are talking. It rarely occurs when two people are listening. Um, as far That's so powerful. <laughs> as far as um, young leaders, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with Lisa. I think there's a lot, a lot of it has to do with, you know, how you use your voice, when you use it, and then that sustained action afterwards um, um, versus just building a voice. There, there are you know, I think a, a lot of folks whose voices should be amplified more, and it's up to us as young leaders to make sure that our, our peers have that that opportunity when, when it's not not present. Um, you know, I think another thing is just, uh, you know, working together like this is not a competitive thing, right? Like we mm -hmm. can involve as many this business just can become so competitive where when, when there's when it's an issue like this, where they're really in my eyes is just one side. I mean, the more the merrier, right? So I think doing chats like this, uh, um, you know, we we're, I was looking at some nonprofit initiatives our company's doing and, you know, we want more and more people involved, not, not this closed group. So I think involving as many people as you can, and then the empowerment thing. So if, you know, when Lisa was um, leading HR at Microsoft, if, if we didn't have that matching program, I wouldn't have been able to spend, you know, um, about, I probably did like 500 hours of time at the American Cancer Society. And, but that, that effort was multiplied because the platform of empowerment was created by leadership. So mm -hmm. I think that's another way young leaders have the ability to empower too. It doesn't just have to come from the top. Mm. Powerful, powerful. Man, that's so powerful. Jesse, what, what, do you, what about you? What do you think we can do to really empower young leaders to, to use their platform and say and listen with, uh, with their ears? Yeah, I think the big thing for for leaders is just again starting starting with themselves, trying to think with an open mind and really, um, yeah, just going from there. Lead with an open mind. I think's the mm. biggest thing. Mm. Big, big, powerful takeaway. You know what? And you know, I, I what I love about you know this fantastic group that we're we're talking to, and I want to show love really quickly to Pravina, who said someone once told me that. 
affinity groups are counterproductive to to in creating an inclusive environment. While I see the argument on the value of affinity groups, I can also understand this view of affinity by proximity to similarities rather than differences. Would love to hear the panel's thoughts on this. Jesse, let's start with you. What do you think about this? Hold on, I'm just uh, reading this question really quick. Yeah. What is, do you know, uh, Sam, what she's referencing by affinity groups? I'm not familiar. Yeah, term. so affinity groups would be like employee resource groups, things of that nature. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Um, thinking about the question, I think, yeah, I think the big, the big thing is, um, I think that just generally having, I, I guess the, the biggest thing I think starting is having, if your company doesn't already have one, I think having diversity and inclusion leader that can set up and set up the best pro practices and processes is a huge, huge thing. A lot of companies mm. surprisingly do not have DNI leaders or even a DNI division within their company. Um, and as you can see, if you just look at the, the data actually in the last month, there's been a huge, like a 100 to 200% surge in DNI. Uh, positions at companies wow um at least in the bay area that is uh it's gone up exponentially um so i i think that although i don't know the data about affinity groups and being counterproductive off the top of my head i think that um the biggest thing is they probably are quite i, I know for, for a fact that they're actually quite useful if they're set up correctly from a dni leader or an hr leader that knows about diversity inclusion hmm. lisa what are your thoughts on this I don't completely understand the affinity by proximity, but so I'll answer the other question. If there's clarity around that, someone can say it. Uh, I think affinity groups are very helpful. Mm. Um, I think part part of it has to do with uh, the ability for a leader, particularly in a larger organization, to be able to go to one group and say, where are you on these issues? How are we doing? How do you feel about working here? And it really goes to the inclusion part. So you can go out and hire a bunch of people who are, in one particular group or another particular group. But if you really want them to sustain in your workforce over time, they have to feel like they're a part of. Yeah. And I've always found that affinity groups have done a great job of helping the environment and helping kind of translate for people how different groups, different cultures, different uh, perspectives all fit into the bigger organization. So to Jesse's point, it is helpful to have somebody kind of managing how that works in your organization so that we kind of have a common goal. But I have always found them to be, you know, to be very, very helpful to me as a leader. And I think to the company at making sure voices are heard appropriately and making sure people are included appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. Ambika, what I, do you think? Yeah. So, and I, I've also, I see this in my overlapping circles, right? I'm yeah. a minority, I'm a woman. I'm, so I belong to a bunch of these different kinds of um, things and I'm not one monolith or the other. Like I can have lots of different affinities. And sometimes it seems like the people who think that affinity groups are counterproductive to inclusion are the ones who are part of the majority. And mm. I understand if you are part of the majority, you don't need an affinity group because your affinity group is the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, 
And so sometimes I think it's just like walking maybe a mile or an inch in somebody else's shoes and realizing that, hey, for me to feel like one of many, sometimes I need to be in a group that looks different than the norm, because then only in that environment am I one of many. Um, and so that it, inclusivity sometimes comes from the fact that you're not the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pram? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a, a lot of it's kind of in the details where, you know, if the categories of affinity groups are created by people that are are not diverse, then all of a sudden you're bucketing opinions. And I, I mean, I think affinity bias is real, but I, I also don't think that affinity groups necessarily perpetuate affinity mm -hmm. bias if, if they're constructed and created in, in the right ways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really thankful that you all found the time to to come live with me on today's episode. You know, I want each of you to kind of give your final takeaway with our amazing community of humanly and guide customers and uh, advisors. You know, Prem, what would be your takeaway on how individuals today, right now, you know, after they finish listening to this, can go do something instead of just talk about it? Yeah, right after this, I'm going to take off my headphones and start <laughs> listening more. So I really, I mean, I, I really think the the listening piece is important because I, I think, as we were talking about, you know, this isn't an easy thing to fix, and it's not something that you can just post about right away. It takes continued action. But for me to be able to do the right things and, um, you know, sustain that continued action, I, I think that starts with listening, particularly in areas where I am uh, more of an ally and an advocate, and I might not have that lived experience. Yeah, yeah. Lisa, thoughts? Yeah, I I think individuals need to take their own inventory. Like, what, what do you have the capacity to do? Because we started this sort of whole call about, oh, my God, we're in a pandemic and we're having, you know, all kinds of things going on. So before we had tell everybody, you know, go run out and use the yeah. energy, you don't have to go do something, you're going to fail. So just don't. Yeah. Like, step back, ask yourself what's important to you. Ask yeah. yourself how much capacity you have right now to do that. Don't say none because you do have some. I know smart people do. But take it one step at a time because going back to another theme, you want to sustain it over the long run. Do what you can do now in an area that means things, something to you. Listen carefully to the world around you. Make one step because one step will lead to a second step, a fifth step, a tenth step. And then pretty soon you'll be on a path. And, and it's okay if you have to go backwards a little bit to go forwards again. <laughs> don't, don't stop. Keep thinking about it. Keep, keep reinventing yourself in this new world. It will be a new world when we're all finished with this. Mm. It will not be what it was before. It will not. The pandemic will change it. All the racial strife will change it. We will be different. The good news is I think technology is going to help us all do better going forward, but you as humans still need to sort of reinvent yourself in this new world and have your voice out there. I love that, Lisa. Ambika? I would echo a lot of that. Um, I'll say um, the, the listening piece and the taking small steps really sticks out to me. Um, and I, again, like I'm super honored that um, you know, that Tim, you characterize what, how we have approached things that are more as, you know, intentional and big steps, because I, what I feel like I did was a small, you know, tiny, mm. which is what I had the capacity to do. And so anyone who's sort of 
if you feel like, oh, you know, should I do anything at all because it's so small and insignificant, does it matter? It really, it really does. And I'll just from the my very first employee who wrote me a note to say, hey, just the fact that you brought this up and that you're sort of enshrining us talking about this means everything to me. Like that's all you have to do um, to really maybe impact somebody's life. So if you're sitting on the sidelines, don't, because whatever you do um, could really change somebody's uh, way that they're feeling about their own world. Yeah. Wow. And Jesse? Yeah. I, I think obviously this similar sentiment to everyone else, but listening is important, but basically taking tangible actions, which I think, it's just don't be afraid to speak up and broadcast your voice in, in some good places to start for listening perspective. Obviously yourself, Tim, in the guide podcast, but beyond that, some mm. good resources. Dr. Lisa or Boston is fantastic. Uh, Cynthia Pong, Dr. Aaron Thomas, shout out to all of them. <laughs> so. Amazing. Amazing. And definitely we'll make sure that those resources that Jesse's been sharing are linked in the comments below, and he can even add them later on after this live podcast. In addition, if you want to follow our amazing guests on today's live episode, we've tagged them in the post, and they're super accessible on LinkedIn, Twitter. I know Lisa isn't really active on Twitter, but she will probably reach out to you on LinkedIn if you send her a lovely message. Prem, Lisa, Jesse, Ambika, thank you so much for being on today's live episode. I think you all need to be on a future episode. What do you think? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Sounds good? Awesome. Yeah. awesome. I would love that. I would love that. With that said, thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks all. Bye, y'all. With that said, that was another episode, and a special episode sponsored by Humanly and Guide of the Unleashing the Future of Work, a live guide podcast. With that said, use your platform to create change, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are. I think a lot of the things that Lisa shared on being intentional and more importantly, listening with an open heart is actually really, really powerful. And in times like this, that's exactly what leaders need to do. You know, with that said, I want to give the last word to our amazing fan and guy community member, Mo La Melissa, who's working on being a product marketer marketing manager. She says, don't be afraid to go forward. Even if you have to take a few steps back, that is spot on. And lastly, I want to show love to Mrs. Squires, great panelist. Thank you so much, Dana, for tuning in. Please share with your networks, tag Lisa, Ambika, Prem, and Jesse on LinkedIn. If you loved what they shared, I'm sure they're definitely going to follow up with you. Don't be afraid to reach out to them. And then more importantly, be the change that you want to see and leverage your platform to enact the change you want to see in the world. With that said, peace, love, and abundance, and I will talk to you all soon. Peace, y'all.